Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated. But he does know sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 AM and now at 106.3 FM. I can't believe what I just did. I left the studio, Joe's studio, with like five seconds to go until I was on the air. Then KDO's walking down the hall. We're all getting together for a Randy Slack goodbye party tonight. And I asked her if she's going, and we got to talk. And I said, do you want to ride down with us? Do you want us to ride down with you? you want to hang out for another hour? We're going to make this happen. All the while, my radio show had started. Ty Seagal was on. I gots to do radio. Joining me now, one of my good buddies, we used to call him Mr. Best of the Rest, back in the day, back in college. He's a producer now for 94 WIP, the Eagles flagship station, studio engineer for the Eagles radio network on game days. He is Wesley Euler. What's up, Best of the Rest? How you doing? Oh, well, doesn't this feel like old times? Just me trying to ride Adam Crowley's coattails to relevancy. It's like 2012 all over again. Bro, the reason I'm having you on is because I'm going to get fired for bogging everyone down with his Nasser talk today, and I need you to get me in with Intercom. <laughs> Deal. We, we'll talk about this off-air once we're done. Don't yeah, tell Joe. We'll, we'll make this happen. We won't tell Joe, although we're we're a package deal. Wes Euler joining me here, WIP in Philadelphia. Uh, I suppose that the dude from across the street, the old one who has some crotchety old man takes, Got his butt kicked on Philadelphia radio. Ron Cook, right? He was on your station earlier today? He was, and and it was hilarious to me because nobody in Pittsburgh really pays much mind to Ron Cook, I don't think. But oh, he has, yes! He, he has one tweet, and all of a sudden... And listen, I was going to save this for the end because I do really have some nice things to say, but here is the one, and since you started right with Ron, here we go. Uh, one big thing about Philadelphia sports fans. The people in Philadelphia, I would say here, but I'm actually uh, sitting on a beach in 88-degree weather in Hawaii right Son now. Son of a bitch. Uh, the people in Philadelphia are very tough. They take great pride in that blue-collar image, and it is true. That is Philadelphia to its core. But all it takes is one Ron Cook or one Colin Cowherd or one Kean Fahey or one jabroni from Minnesota that no one's ever heard of, and the entire city loses its collective cool. Yeah. The whole, The whole... No one likes us, we don't care thing that Philly beats their chest with. It couldn't be further from the truth because they care what everybody says about them, seeing to the fact that our morning show and our afternoon drive show spent time ripping Pittsburgh just because of Ron Cook. Well, in their defense, there's nothing to talk about these next couple of weeks, right? There's nothing big in Philadelphia that's going to be taking place. Not at all. Not at all. I would definitely want to be talking about the – you know, the, the city that's 300 miles west of ours. What do I got to do to piss these people off? Because that's what I want to do. I want to get a rivalry going with your guys. I, I want to get them to be <laughs> mad at me. Do I just got to say things like Philly sucks, they throw snowballs at Santa, batteries, well, all that junk? You know, well, ever since this morning, now all my coworkers feel like they have to take shots at Pittsburgh and, and, and take shots at me and, you know, talk about, oh, Pittsburgh doesn't have running water and Pittsburgh doesn't have plumbing and... Everybody from, from Pittsburgh comes out here for college, which I actually think it's quite the opposite. Oh, my that's God. A, that's a total difference. Bro, you we go to we, we, okay. we we West Virginia. Campuses. Yeah, we actually have college campuses and affordable housing 
in the city limits of Pittsburgh. And, like, you can actually get a place with some land, unlike Philadelphia, where Morgan and I are paying out the wazoo for a tiny little row home. But, you know, yes, everybody goes to, to Philadelphia, or to Pittsburgh, pardon me, for college. My man, Wes Euler, WIP. My, my, my wife, my wife, who's from Philly, came to West Virginia for college. And a lot of people do. A lot of New Jersey people, a lot of Philly people. I dealt with more Eagles fans than Steelers fans at Dub V. So I don't want to hear that. I actually thought because you lived in Philly, you might provide a rousing defense of the Philadelphia nope. people. But they kind of suck, nope. don't they? No, no, no. Like I said, I do have some nice things to say. And here's what I'll tell you, Crowley. And, and you can relate to this. We're both WVU guys. We, we went to the university, and now we bleed and die for, for that school. You know how, with WVU fans, the reputation is there, and in certain cases, it's absolutely uh, justified, it's earned. But since that, because of that, West Virginia fans are always under a microscope, right? If there's a tailgate, if there's something going on, it's 2018, there's 20 people with their phones out just, you know, just waiting for somebody to do something dumb so that they can post it, and then all the detractors on Twitter who hate WVU fans are like, oh, here you go, classless inbred rednecks, right? It's the same thing with Philly fans. There's people that are just there waiting for one bad egg so that they can take the video and they can be like, see, here you go. This represents the 5 million people that live in Philadelphia. So from that standpoint, I do sympathize with them. Now, what I will say is near the stadium, I'm sure you saw some of the videos, things were a little bit rowdy. They were bad. Of course, videos. People throwing beers at Vikings fans at the Vikings butt. And I don't want to say that that stuff does happen everywhere. Fan behavior at NFL games has gotten out of control the past couple years. But again, when it's in Philadelphia, someone's always got a camera and they're always just waiting to upload it to social media because that's going to get clicks and that's going to, you know, go viral, if you will. But what I will say is in the post-game celebration, which I drove through and I was, I was hanging out in the area, there was not one person throwing stuff, vandalizing anything, doing anything, you know, other than maybe peeing in an alley or chugging a beer or smoking a joint in the middle of the street. Everyone was very well-behaved, high-fiving, respectful to police. So, like I said, I do – there is the sympathy side to me because I can see the kind of parallel with WVU fans there. But at the same time – when they start coming after Pittsburgh, it's like, it's like, all right, I got, I got all kinds of ammunition here if you really want to do this. Wes Euler, WIP in Philadelphia, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Wes, don't give me a reason to not root for the Patriots. Give me a reason to root for Philadelphia, because I don't want to. I refuse. In fact, I am rooting for the Patriots in this game because of my oh, disdain no. for Philadelphia. So tell oh, me, no. don't, don't, don't you give me a reason to root against New England. Give me a reason to root for these Eagles. Because you won't have to listen to Boston sports fans scream six rings, Tom Brady, for the rest of your life. But we'd oh, have wait, to no, hear. That's, that's, okay, hold on. But it's got to come from an Eagles standpoint. So here you go. Yes. Imagine how you and I would feel and act and live the rest of our lives differently if WVU won a national championship in football or men's basketball. That's how it will be for the people in Philadelphia. They care nothing more. It, it's very similar to Pittsburgh. Sure, the Pirates and the Penguins are loved, but at the end of the day, we all know. It's Steelers one, two, three, four, and five, and then and then the rest of the teams can get their shine when applicable. It's the same way with the Eagles here. Yes, the Sixers are big right now. The Flyers always have a good fan base. The Phillies, it's, it's baseball in a big city. There's a ton of Phillies fans. But this, the city of Philadelphia, man. I mean, it's like if Pittsburgh had no Super Bowls, it's like if WVU won a national championship. I mean, you'll have 90-year-olds, you know, who can finally die and pass or pass away in peace 
You'll have little kids who will get to make memories with their parents and grandparents that will last forever. So that, I would tell you, Adam, I'm sure you have some kindness in your heart. No. And also, no. also, but hold on, no. they're not wearing orange and black. So do you really care that Same much? people. No, not, it's not, though. I will tell you this. Flyers fans in Philadelphia are a cult, man. I'm telling you. They are their own fan base. They're bad people, man. Last time they I was their, there. They are their own fan base. Last time I was there, wearing a Sidney Crosby jersey. This is back in the day, back when I still wore jerseys. Because I'm too cool for them now. I had beer well, dumped all down my back, man. So I don't, I don't like Philly people because of that. Now, that is one isolated, anecdotal incident. Here's what I'll say you to trash? you. Here's what else. Of course, I was talking trash. Here's what else. But but people have talked trash to me here too, and I haven't dumped things on them. In Very fact, true. Very LSU true. fans came to Morgantown, and I didn't dump stuff on them. The, yeah, as long as it's within the realm of banter, like friendly banter, right? There's a there's obviously right. a clear line. Right. I'm not you know I'm not saying terrible things about people's mothers. I'm not that kind of guy. Wes Euler, right. WIP in Philadelphia, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Here's my only response: If West Virginia had won a championship. For the love of God, will we let all the pit people hear it forever? Uh, we right, have won right, a recent but... championship. I feel like Philadelphia, they got their stuff. They got the Liberty Bell, man. Okay? They had the Capitol. <laughs> they had the Declaration of Independence. They got a lot of stuff going on over there. What we got here in Pittsburgh is football, man. I don't want them encroaching on our territory. I don't want that. Stay out of here. Yeah. That's, that's, you know what? That's, I had never thought of it that way, Mr. Crowley. You do make a good point, but. Again, I don't. I just maybe. Hey, maybe it's because I'm I'm kind of in it. You are. not from afar now, but I just don't really. I've never heard an Eagles fan try and disparage the Steelers. Or to me, it's always been. I, I hate the orange and black, but other than that, I, I just I, I just don't really think Philly aligns itself more with New York and Boston, and Pittsburgh aligns itself more with Baltimore and Cincinnati. It's just I just feel like unless it's hockey, it's forced to me. It really is. It just feels forced. Last couple of things here from my buddy Wes Euler. How many alcoholic beverages have you consumed in the last, let's say, three hours being on a beach in Hawaii? Oh, the last three hours, only two, because, like I said, I knew I was coming on the air. Oh, no! I wanted to be responsible. Did I ruin your, I ruined a pseudo-honeymoon here, yes? No, 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 not a pseudo-honeymoon. I'm here with my whole family. Oh, okay. The whole clan clan is here. Okay, I thought it was a a beer-drowned sex romp, but apparently it's not going to be like that. No, no, well, I mean, you know, that's included. Sure. uh, um, it's only it's only one fifteen here, man. I got I got. Plenty of time. <laughs> I I didn't factor that in. That's because I'm an idiot. I got plenty of time. Wes, appreciate your time, buddy. We got to do this again prior to the Super Bowl. What do you say? Absolutely, absolutely. And if you do want ammunition, I got I got one thing for you. Yes. The team that had, and this is I feel like when Pittsburgh people banter with Philly, it's always all six Super Bowls, five Stanley Cups, da da da. You know, 1975. This is a really good one that, that nobody comes to the table with. The team, the sports franchise that has won the most championships in Philadelphia history currently resides in Oakland, California, and they left Philadelphia in 1954. <laughs> that would be the Oakland Athletics with five titles. That's more than the Phillies, the Eagles, the Flyers, and the Sixers. So the Philadelphia's greatest sports franchise left in 1954 and is currently in Oakland, California. There you go, Mr. Crowley. You are the man, buddy. Appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. It was fun, bud. Thank you. He's better than I thought he was. What happened? Wes got good at radio? I gotta get that guy here. God, this is just humiliating. I love, love the fact 
that both Pittsburgh and Philadelphia can be re- can be united under one umbrella. And that umbrella is this. Aside from maybe a select few, we all can't stand Ron freaking Cook. Up next, Brian Metzer. Penguins, I think, aren't just making the playoffs. I think they're making noise. I'll tell you why. He'll tell you why. Next, Crowley Show. God, this is just humiliating. T-minus three days until we see if my belly is fit for piercing. Spoiler alert, it will be. But that brings us to Saturday, the 27th. We'll post a video up on the Facebook page. But the piercing will take place on Monday. The unveiling will take place on Monday, and then I suppose I should be accurate about this. If I do need to be pierced, we will be doing it on Monday. More information throughout the week right here on the Crowley Show. Penguins, winners of 7 of 10. I started looking at the standings. Started looking at the scoring race, and it hit me. Penguins are making the playoffs. But beyond that, I think they got a really, really good chance to make some noise when they get in. Joining me now to discuss from the Penguins Radio Network, he's our friend Brian Metzer. Brian, how are you today? Very good. How about you, my friend? And i gotta, I got to make one suggestion here. Yeah. Facebook Live for all that you just talked about. Oh, there's no doubt. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt. Whilst I get pierced, I'll be doing the radio show, and it'll be on Facebook Live, and there'll be blood, and we'll get everyone what they want. Uh, everyone's going to get exactly what they need in that moment. So don't worry about that, Brian. <laughs> I, I'll be tuning in. The Penguins are getting exactly what they need. It's clear to me now at the moment. Uh, they've been playing better five-on-five. Five. That's probably the last thing that they need to get done. The power play has been great. The penalty kill has been unbelievable. Last night, though, they got three five-on-five goals. We'll get to all that in a minute. But, Brian, I was looking at what the Penguins would have ahead of them if they were to make the playoffs. And let's say they got that two or three in the Metropolitan Division. And I think that they will because I think that they're better than the teams that they're chasing right now. They then get to play maybe New Jersey, maybe the Islanders, perhaps the Rangers who are banged up. Columbus scares me a little bit because I think they're a very talented bunch, but whoever the Penguins would play in the first round, I'd make them the favorite to win that round. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, it's uh, the Eastern Conference. There's a lot of parity there. I mean, yes, there's a couple of, of very good hockey teams. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have come down to earth a little bit, but they're still very good. The Boston Bruins are playing very well, but definitely in the divisional round, I think it's right for the taking. I mean, the Penguins right now, I know there's games in hand for the Devils and Flyers, but they're just one point out of jumping over both of those teams. Yes, that's going to flip-flop how many times now over the next couple of weeks, but the Penguins might be playing the best of the bunch right now. I think they've started to find their groove, and boy, isn't this just the second half that we all sort of thought or, or speculated about? Could this happen? Well, the Penguins are putting it all together. They're getting some contributions from up and down the lineup, and it looks like they've started to appear to be a much deeper team than we gave them credit for. Yeah, I think so, too. And they've got that infusion of youth now, Brian. And for those of us who've been following the Penguins for a while, there seems to be a theme there, right? I mean, two years ago, uh, the Penguins bring in Connor Sherry. They've got Russ. They've got Kuhnhockel. And those players help push the Penguins over the top. Last year, it's Jake Gensel. They've got some players now who can come in, infuse that youth, infuse some speed, infuse some not-tired legs, and I kind of think we're going to see a deja vu situation again. It's starting to look that way. I've, I've probably been more impressed than anybody in the city because he's the guy I keep hearing people you know, sort of shoot daggers at and say he should come out of the lineup. But Dominic Simone, for whatever reason, 
Uh, he's endeared himself to the coaching staff, and I'm going to say that's hard work probably is first and foremost as to why he's been able to do that. But he very quietly has five points now in eight games since he was put on the line with Sidney Crosby. The assist that he got against the San Jose Sharks on the Penguins' only goal the other night was really a, a, a great individual effort from him from top to bottom. He made a play in the defensive zone, threw the puck up into the neutral zone. Mark Edward Vlasic from the Sharks picked it up. But by the time he tried to make a play, Simone got into position and picked off his pass, carried it in on a give-and-go with Sidney Crosby, took a shot, picked up the rebound, fed Connor Sherry for a goal. So that's the kind of thing he's doing. Brian Rust, one of the former young players that you talked about from years past, well, look at the impact he can have in just one game back. Right. I think we, we all saw the speed that was absent from him being out of the lineup with his injury. He makes a huge play with speed last night. He's going to have fresh legs now in the second half. JSD was great last night. He had an outstanding game for a young guy that hasn't been around for many NHL games. So overall, yes, you're right. They're really going to the cupboard. They're finding this depth once again, some new, some old. It's speed, it's it's uh, health now, and it's guys that seem to have fresh legs, and it's made a huge impact. And I think those veteran players on the Penguins roster, they thrive off of that. That gives them a boost of energy. Look at what Sidney Crosby's done since he was playing with these young guys, and I know it's Connor Sherry now back up on that line and not Dom, uh, Daniel Sprong, but at the same time, he seems to be invigorated playing with those youngsters, and it's a, a whole new level for the captain. What's interesting to me, Brian, is that you've got a guy, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Dominic Simone, I mean, he's not an incredibly high pedigree guy, yes? No, I, I think he had some better numbers when he was a younger player, and it, and it could end up being uh, like some other guys that were in the Penguins organization. I mean, if you look at Tom Kuhnockle, he was a huge scorer in junior hockey. Right. He comes to the National Hockey League, and he's been more of a role player on the third and fourth line, specifically on the fourth line. I think Simone, he's probably not going to be a top six player for this team long term. But then again, I just keep looking at a guy like Pascal Dupuis, who necessarily didn't have a high offensive pedigree in the National Hockey League either, and somehow found a way to make magic with Sidney Crosby based on speed and hard work. Maybe he can be that guy while putting a skill player on the other side. But you're right, he's not a guy with that, that resume that really leaps off the page, and you're going to say, well, boy, this is the kind of guy that can really light it up. He's had successful offensive seasons. Uh, along the line as he was coming up through the ranks, and I don't know that that's going to translate. But for right now, it seems to be working, and, and I'm not going to question it So you know, as it's allowed them to sort of move the talent around that lineup in a little different kind of way. Yeah, and you know what, Brian? I wasn't saying that so much as it's a negative or anything like that. It's just interesting to me that the guys the Penguins have had success with the Rusts of the world, uh, the Gensels, the Sherrys, I mean, they've all had their success, and some of them had a lot of success in the minor leagues, but none of these guys were coming in as you thought were going to be uh, the, the fix-all, right? And yet all of them have helped carry their weight in very good hockey clubs, and I don't see why Dominic Simone can't be the same kind of way. And it's interesting even further that, that then, uh, that then you have Daniel Sprong, who does have all the pedigree in the world. And my God, you can see with the release and uh, the velocity he has on his shot, he's a guy who's right now sitting in Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame that that's happening. And and you know, between you, I, and everybody listening, I have that weird feeling in my gut that he's going to be traded just because he doesn't Whoa. seem to have endeared himself to this coaching staff. That's not anything I've heard or anything, but. He's gotten this look the first time he dipped it all, and it was really one defensive lapse that I could really find 
looking back at his last game played, and he didn't get to play in the third period, was scratched for two games, and was immediately sent back to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. I felt overall that his body of work while he was in Pittsburgh was pretty good. He looked like a better two-way player than he got credit for, and the fact that he was so quick to get that hook tells me that the work, the work ethic, at least in the eyes of the coaching staff, isn't necessarily there yet, and I don't want him to be traded. I think that would be a huge mistake because of what you just said. I mean, he's got that release. He's probably as close to being a Phil Kessel replacement at some point as the Penguins <laughs> right. in this organization because that's the kind of guy he is. And for whatever reason, they just don't seem to be a fan of him. But you're, you're right, though. They do find it. They find a way to hit home runs with a lot of these other lower pedigree type guys. And look at the way a Brian Rust has evolved. The Carter right. Sherry has evolved. And even Jake Gensel, to be honest, I don't know. I talked to some people that watched him play, you know, youth youth hockey or high school hockey growing up up, up in Minnesota and then watched him in college. They all thought he'd be a fine NHL player, but some of these folks never dreamed he could maybe scratch the surface of being a star, and they're helping him develop into that. I mean, he's getting – he's overcoming his size and the fact that he's sort of a slight guy, and he's been a great player for the Penguins organization. So they, they are definitely finding a way with guys that you would not expect it from all the time. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network, joining me here on the Crowley Show. I don't want to go for too far of a reach here, but just hearing you describe the Daniel Sprong situation kind of reminded me of Derek Pouliot, where, I mean, I'm sure he got a fair shake, but at times it didn't really feel like he did. And any mistake that he would make, it seemed, was magnified tenfold by the coaching staff and the organization. I really hope that's not the way things go with Sprong. Yeah, I would agree with you. I um, I think it's different from Pouliot in that, Pouliot just seemed to regress year over year over year. And even times down at Wilkes-Barre Scranton, where you thought he would really start to light, light up everything, you know, do it in the defensive zone, do it offensively, it would dip. And he wouldn't necessarily thrive there either. And you heard all of those off-ice knocks and rumors and speculation, which I don't even want to get into. You don't hear necessarily those same things about Sprong. Right. I, think that, I think they will give him a fair shake. But you're just – look at the coach the Penguins have right now. I mean, this is a – a blue-collar guy, a U.S.-born coach who likes those hard-nosed, tough players that work hard every shift. Yes, there's room for skill and tenacity, but that's why he loves Sidney Crosby so much, I think, because Sid has it all. He's the full package of how you please uh, Mike Sullivan. He's great offensively. He's very good in his own zone. He's very good in the face-off dot. And he's also one of the hardest workers. I mean, he's always one of the first to get back on the back check. He's in the four-checking hard. He's playing great defensively. So Daniel Sprong maybe just needs to look hard at himself and say, this is what i got to do to prove myself to my head coach at the National Hockey League level. He's going to maybe take the onus off the offensive side of the game a little bit, only because we, we all know that's there. So focus on straight defense. Focus on being the first guy back on D, making a strong breakout pass. One play that still sticks out, and I know that I talked to um, Paul Steigerwald about this on one of our postgame shows, Sprong made a pass to Simone breaking through the neutral zone. He was trying to feed him at the blue line going in on an attack offensively. And he rifled this pass such that it ended up sort of, I don't remember if it was an icing play or if it just went past him and ended up being a turnover, which was brought right back. But Simone couldn't take the pass. I think the coach probably looked more at Sprong there saying, you got to know what your line mate's doing and make a smarter read and reaction with the puck. So not so much at uh, Simone saying he should have taken that pass, which is the way Staggy read it. He thought that Simone should have been able to take the pass. Well, I guarantee you that coaching staff said Sprong needed to make a smarter play with the puck, and that's why he's not here right now. Ryan Metro joining me here on the Crowley Show. I brought this up yesterday uh, to Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette, and it was his response was interesting, so I want to get yours. 
There was talk before that in the last couple of seasons, I should be more specific, that Matt Murray was Mike Sullivan's guy, and Mike Sullivan loves to play his guy. And I always thought, eh, okay, maybe, but I think he just wants to play the guy who gives the Penguins the best chance to win. Obviously, Matt Murray's going through some stuff right now, but prior to that, and they should give him as much time as he needs, but prior to that, Tristan Jari, when he was hot, was getting the playing time. And now we're seeing Casey DeSmith get playing time because he's playing well. I don't think Mike Sullivan plays favorites. I think Mike Sullivan plays the hot hand, and I think that's what he should be doing. Uh, the only the only example that I'll cite that could be a his guy over a guy that's not his guy might be Simone and Sprong because he has clearly an opinion of that guy, and he has an opinion of what Simone is, and yeah. he's still here and he's still playing. But when it comes down to 99% of his roster, uh, and that could just be guys not named Sid, not named Gino, I, I feel like he does do what best suits his team. And even when you look at the Ian Cole situation and everybody's upset and saying, why isn't he playing and how's Matt Hunwick in over that? And they're saying that Mike Sullivan just doesn't like Ian Cole. If you look at the, the fancy stats, which I, can't, which I can't believe I'm even mentioning, yeah. because you know how I feel about those. I, you and I have talked about this. But Hunwick in almost every category, has proven to have better numbers in that way. And you know the Penguins are highly involved with analytics now, so that's probably what's making that decision. Now, with this goaltending thing, he sees uh, Casey DeSmith playing at a very high level right now. He's allowed only four goals in his last three games. He's had a 944 save percentage or better in each of those three games. Overall, now 1.86 goals against 935 save percentage. And he's saying, you know what, I'm going to ride this guy. He's the hot hand. That's not a knock on Jari. That's not a knock on Matt Murray when he comes back. I, I feel like even if Murray's ready to play tomorrow night, I think he's going back to dismiss. Yeah. And Matt Murray, if anything, may dress as a backup just to get a game in under his belt. But uh, he, he is rewarding. I think that goes a long way to, towards getting the respect of your team. They see him rewarding a young guy who's a, a 26-year-old young man. He's not as young as the average youngster in the NHL. But he's rewarding a young player for a solid effort, and he's going to ride him as long as he can because he's given him a great chance to win hockey games. And I think Casey DeSmith was a huge reason for the successful win against the Carolina Hurricanes last night because the Penguins weren't necessarily at their best from for 60 minutes on, on that game or in that game. Last thing here for Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network. This is not the total solution to five-on-five difficulties for Pittsburgh, and he's not the only reason for the five-on-five difficulties. But I do think that playing somebody in the place of Ryan Reeves gives the Penguins a better chance to have that depth scoring. I don't know if that's even arguable, and if the Penguins are not going to have success 5-on-5 with him in the lineup, then I'm okay with him not being in the lineup, unless you absolutely need him and you're playing a team where you think you're going to have to throw down. Yeah, I think that he's probably played a little better than he has. given him credit yeah. for him. He moves pretty well, and I think the knock is he can't play the speed game of the Penguins. And, yeah, maybe he's not as fast as you need him to be. Definitely doesn't have the offensive pedigree of some of the other guys. I was surprised to see him get a season-high 10.52 just the other night a couple of games ago, and then he's on a, he's listed as a healthy scratch going into last night. That was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. Sure. But you're right. I think whenever Mike Sullivan has a comfort level with the players – on his fourth line that he, he believes can go out and play in both ends of the rink and play in all situations and can match up against top lines, et cetera, et cetera, he's going to roll four lines. And whenever he does roll four lines, the Penguins are a tougher team to play against. They're, their top two lines aren't getting overtaxed. 
Sid and Gino don't have to shoulder bigger loads, even though he's double-shifted them at times to make sure that Phil Kessel gets on the ice with each of them as he's been a third-line player. But above and beyond that, he rolls all four, and you see a, a liberal uh, sprinkling of the minutes across from top to bottom of those forwards, and you're not seeing Reeves be limited to four minutes or Kunakle being limited to four minutes. I thought the fourth line was great last night, having Brian Rust in that spot. I mean, we talked about it earlier in our chat. Look at the, the play they make to score the big goal for D, and I think he likes JSD. He knows him from Wilkes-Barre Scranton. He knows what he can bring. So I doubt you're going to see him come out anytime soon based on the fact he scored a big goal last night. And right now, maybe uh, Ryan Reeves, who the coach says brings a certain dimension to our team, is a guy that will be used in uh, on nights when he needs to bring that dimension. And other nights, maybe he watches in the press box with us, at least for a handful of games, till they make some headway and get where they want to be in the standings. Unamang, Mets, we'll have that Facebook Live up for you on Monday. Thanks for the time. Hey, always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, my friend. Take care. Ed tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Bring an extra pair of underwear on Monday. You're going to pee a little for sure. God, I can't wait. I'm going to be sick on Monday. I'm not going to be able to be there. Thinking like 6 o'clock, maybe, for the Pearson. We'll figure it out. We'll keep you abreast of all the details. Up next, the hottest take of the day. Other crap. And Tom, the degenerate gambler, gives his pick of the night. It's the Crowley Show. We're going to talk a lot more. A lot more. About Le'Veon Bell tomorrow on the program because we didn't get into it very much today. The Nasser stuff's more important to me. And it's always going to be more important to me. And that's what happened on today's show. We talked half hockey and half about the Larry Nasser situation, which is unexplainably, unexpeakably, inexplicable. Whatever! It's terrible! It's awful! And there are so many organizations that are culpable. United States Gymnastics, Michigan State. The list actually does grow on from there. So the two things I want you to take away from today's show. Number one, and again, this is not to blame any parents involved, but don't allow your child to be lonely with a stranger. I don't care if they're a doctor. I don't care if they're a dentist. I don't care who they are, what the profession is. If they're a stranger, don't let your kid be around them alone. Be there. Be there. And then number two, if you ever hear a whisper, investigate it. Talk to the person who whispered it. Figure out where it came from. And whether you believe it to be credible or not, make sure that the proper people who can investigate it do. Back to sports. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Ready, Joe? It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. Steelers lost to the Jacksonville Jags. Everyone always talks about winning with Cars players. Tom and with Cars players. Stud. Bill Carr was the best. Well, you know what? That quarterback drafted by Carr. So Mike Tomlin lost the AFC Championship game because of Carr. He lost because Ben Roethlisberger, his quarterback, that 
is Kyra's quarterback. That's the hottest take of the day. I got it. Boo, 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 boo. That was the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. It's now time for other crap. Woo! Other crap. I am not interested in the slightest in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't want to be rude to Stan, who talked about it at length earlier in the show. I don't want to be rude to... Anybody else who might care about the Baseball Hall of Fame, but I don't give two rat's asses about Cooperstown. Will I take my kid there one day? Fine. Sure. But here's the deal. I don't need Cooperstown to tell me that Barry Bonds is a great friggin' baseball player. I don't need Cooperstown to tell me that Pete Rose is the hit king. I don't need Cooperstown to tell me that Roger Clemens was throwing gas. F all that. If Major League Baseball, if Cooperstown does not want to allow those players into the Hall of Fame, F them. They're missing out on some of the best of all time. I don't care about asterisks. Because I can't say it. I, I don't care about steroids. It's entertainment. I don't view Major League Baseball or football or hockey or any sport all that differently than I view wrestling. To me, it's serving the same purpose. Wrestling, to me, is entertainment. Sports, to me, is entertainment. If Barry Bonds used roids, whatever. He's the best I ever saw. Watch highlights of that guy. In fact, unzip your pants and pull up his statistics. Holy crap. You want me to do that right now? Not right now. Okay. But anybody out there who's around a computer, and most of you are listening on iHeartRadio, which we love because our signal sucks and you can still listen to us all the damn time. Whip it out and look at Barry Bond's freaking stats. Okay. (laughs) I don't need Cooperstown to tell me. That the guy with the 650 on base percentage deserves to go in the Hall of Freaking Fame. If you don't want him, F you, Cooperstown. Now, I'm sure it does suck for the individual player. I'm sure Pete Rose would like to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sure Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens would like to be in the Hall of Fame. But let me speak directly to them. Am I allowed to do that, guys? Can I speak directly to them? Okay, I'm going to speak, and Brian's unzipping his fly. Hey, Roger. Hey, Barry. Hey, Pete. Hey, Sammy. Hey, Mark. Hey, Raphael. I know him. I know you were good. I don't care how you got good. I know you were good. And my kids, you can rest assured, despite your cheating ways, will know you were good, too. F Cooperstown. In fact, maybe tomorrow on the show we do a Crowley Hall of Fame. It's probably a cliche topic. In fact, it is. But Cooperstown can have all their guys. 
In fact, we're doing this. We put the misfits in. We do. And the misfits are better. Absolutely. I'd, I'd rather, rather hang with them. Oh, my God. I would. Oh. I like Mazeroski. Would you rather hang out with Mazeroski or Pete Rose? Oh, Pete Rose, hands down. Who's the, who, who's the better player? Pete freaking Rose. Who's in the Hall of Fame? Maz. F that. Tomorrow on the show, we do our own Hall of Fame. Here's who got elected tonight because it all went down. It all went down. It all happened. Three peeps. I'm not going to argue. Four. Sorry. Miscounted. Not going to disparage the fine gentleman who did get elected into the Hall of Fame. But, again, actually, let's play this game. I'll tell you who they were, but I'm going to do it my way. Hey, Brian. Yeah, Adam. Is Chipper Jones better than Barry Bonds? No, Adam. Chipper's in the hall. Hmm. Hey, Brian. Yeah, Adam. Vladimir Guerrero better than Sammy Sosa? No, Adam. He's not. That one I disagree with vehemently. Totally wrong. I realized as it was coming out of my mouth, that's... Yeah, me too. Yeah, okay. Got called on that's, that. That's, that's a, a demerit for me. That's probably, I'll take that's, that. That's, that's, that's probably fair. Yeah, I'll take a demerit. That's probably fair. I was I'll trying to follow it. your bit there. Yeah, no, that's okay. I, really, you should ask uh, something different, yeah, but I'll take bad. the demerit for you. That's, that's, that's bad. That's that's my fault. Although, you know, so say did hit 600 freaking home runs. That's a lot of home runs. A With a cork bat. I don't care about cheating! No asterisks, I don't care about asterisks! Our Hall of Fame, damn it. Okay, let's play this game. Oh, boy. Jim Tomey better than Sammy Sosa? No! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want another demerit. I'm taking Sosa over Thome in my Hall of Fame every day. Is Trevor Hoffman better than Roger Clemens? No. Nope. (laughs) Chipper Jones in. Vladimir Guerrero in. Jim Tomey in. Trevor Hoffman in. Okay. No A-Rod, who's one of the top five players of all time. No Barry Bonds, who's the greatest player of all time. Roger Clemens, one of the best pitchers of all time. He's not it. So I don't give any bleeps about Cooperstown. And that was other crap. Woo! Other crap. Production of this show is amazing. It's great. Top notch. Yesterday, we wrapped the show with what we're calling Tom's Degenerate Gambling segment. And Tom picked St. John's to cover against Creighton. And they did not. They did not. They did not cover. Well done. So you were Thank all you, in one. I'm own one to start. Nice. What do you got for me tonight? Tonight, after a rough night last night, we're going to double down on a traditional power here. And we're going to take Rutgers at home, plus or giving to a traditional power Rutgers. Traditional power Rutgers at home. That's the pick of the day. They're at home. At home, giving to the rack to the old Corn Huskers. Nebraska's tough. The Rutgers is even tougher. Nebraska beat Michigan, who's ranked. I can't believe I know this. And they just the other night pushed Ohio State to the brink. You feel confident in this, Tom? Very confident. How confident? Put it all on Rutgers. Hammer them? Put it all on Rutgers. Hammer it? Nice. Scale of 1 to 10. Hammer Rutgers? 11. Yeah. Put it all nice. on Rutgers. That the only game you got tonight? No, I got a couple others. I'm going to keep those close to my chest, though. Give me one more. 
I'll give you one that's going on right now. Are you pulling like the gambling, like you're going to sell picks after you give the first one I free? Might. Yeah, I, I might. Know. Here we go. You know. What's the one you got going right now? Marquette, plus Ooh. seven. They're down 